everyone, and welcome to episode 9 of The Offline Gamer. I'm Matt, and you remember last time I was feeling a bit throaty? Well, someone else is feeling a bit throaty today, aren't they? Yes, and I wonder who I got it from. Don't know. Don't blame me. So yeah, uh, we've got a few things to talk about in the... Well, it's only been two weeks since the last show. Yeah. So we thought it would be a bit shorter, but actually looking at the list of things we've written down, it's not that short at all. Uh, um... Well, it's in some ways it is, in some ways it isn't. Yeah. Let's uh, talk about what we're going to be talking about this week, month. Month, yeah. Um, we've got the our usual news updates, which we'll go through in a minute. We've got our kickstarted everything and what we've been playing. And we've also got a little interview, which you'll hear towards the end of the show, which is by a guy called Andy Clayton, who I was very happy to meet uh, last weekend at Tabletop Day at Asgard Games in Warsaw. And uh, he talked about his uh, current Kickstarter project that he's got running, so we'll have a listen to that and have a chat about that a bit later. But first, let's go through um, what's been going on since the last episode. We went to see James Cook. Yep, we did. He was Hi, good. James. Yeah, he's probably listening because we gave him uh, our website. Yep. You were great, James. You were amazing. Yep, we sat in the front row. I yeah. spilt drink all over the stage um, and I had to clean it up. With... Oh, did you? I didn't notice that. <laughs> uh, yes. Because at the beginning, James said, uh, let's all clap, and like was doing the patronising, yeah. this is how you clap thing. And in order to clap, because I was sitting on the front row, I put my drink, which was in a plastic cup, between my knees to try and clap. Oh, dear. But then like my knees moved, and I crushed the glass, spilling some of it on the floor, rescued some of it in the cup, but discovered that there were two massive great big splits in the cup so i had to ah. chug the drink very quickly throughout um the first acts well show josh Pugh. yeah and i it was sl- the, the liquid was slowly trickling down towards him and i think he was <laughs> he was watching it and i was watching it so after he did his half i grabbed as many napkins as I could find in my bag and cleaned up oh, okay. my mess. Oh, I missed that entirely. Yeah. Oh, well. But uh, James Cook brings us nicely on to our next thing, which is happening soon, which is it's less than four weeks to the UK Games Expo. Woo! So we'll obviously be seeing James there doing his pandemic. That's going to be a fun event. Yeah. We're going to do Saturday and Sunday, yep. hopefully. Um. Anything you're looking forward to? We've got tickets to the dark room, so that'll yeah, be good. Yeah, we've got tickets to the dark room. We've got tickets to Pandemic with James Cook, etc. I'm not sure whether to to try and drop in and see some of the Wyvern's Lair, or whether that's going to be trying to that's going to be overloading us with like special event bits as opposed to just absorbing games. Yeah, we'll have to see how it goes. I mean, having two days, I think we'll be able to probably get everything done. So I mean, yeah. We could go and see that on the Saturday as well. And then we'd do that, the dark room on Pandemic on the Saturday, and then the Sunday would just be... Chilling. Chilling, spending money. Interviewing. Willful victims. Yeah. Hopefully. Uh, what else has been going on? Oh, it was International Tabletop Day a couple of days ago. I just yeah. mentioned that. But um, as of recording, we're recording this on the Tuesday after. So... Um, I had a fun day. I went to Asgard and played a load of games. You would have been there, but obviously your cold mm. prevented you. I was a bit ill. I played games at home on my own, oh. but they weren't tabletop games, so it doesn't really count. Okay. Counts towards this show, though. It does, you're right. Yeah. What else is out there? Uh, In well, relation to tabletop, tabletop day... Tabletop day, yeah. It's, uh, finally, season four of the show tabletop from geek and sundry has been announced as has the list of games which already i'm looking at some of them i think i was looking at lanterns which is one of the first ones they announced thinking oh that sounds quite fun oh oh no oh no it started the list of games that you want to play because will wheaton plays them on tabletop yeah i mean i'm just looking at the list as a few there's uh star realms which is an interesting choice I, i'm surprised they've gone for that but uh, but also um code names I yeah think that's quite a popular thing at the moment isn't it yeah i did want to play that a games night once but then i think we got distracted with spectra ops oh yes and that lasted a very long time tiny epic galaxies yep have you backed that? No? No, that's not, that's not no, what I'm thinking of. No, I backed Tiny Epic Western. Oh, that's right. 
Uh, oh, there's a, the Star Trek one as well, Five Year Mission. I'm, yeah. I'm quite looking forward to that. I thought you might be. Yeah. So there's a few bits and bobs. Um, so yeah, those episodes will presumably start to come out over the next, in the next few weeks. Yeah, I believe so, yeah. So I look forward to them. Um, they're not doing gag reel episodes anymore. Oh, are they not? No, so oh. you're only going to have an episode once a fortnight of like a proper episode. And I think they were saying they haven't quite decided what they're going to do in the off weeks to keep people sort of interested. Yeah. I don't know. I think that's a fairly good timetable because it, they go too quickly. Mm. Um, and they're also focusing, because we'll, we'll put a post up on his blog saying that they're trying to focus on slightly more family-oriented uh, games as opposed to Cards like Against adult, Humanity, yeah, for example. Adult games, yeah. yeah. Well, there's 17 on this list, so, I mean, that should, should yeah, be Yeah, I think, s- yeah, some of them might be, like, double episodes and stuff. Well, exactly. But uh, from the list of games, it looks uh, pretty good. I'm interested to see who they have. Yeah, there's already a few on, on here. Uh, um, I won't read the names out, because there's a lot of people I don't recognise. Oh, Brandon Routh. Routh. I never know how you pronounce his surname. Not clear. Yeah, he's on he's on one of them. I assume at some point, if they get stuck, there will be Felicia Day. Yeah, and Anne Wheaton. Yeah. And probably... The boys. The boys, yeah. I reckon they should get um, Day 9 to come on, because uh, he's quite a big personality. He's quite fun to watch. I'd like to see Will get some of the Star Trek cast on. Yeah, to play Star Trek. Tiny Epic Galaxies, for example. Or Star Trek, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know why. Even, well, I don't know why my Tiny Epic Black Galaxies was the first thing that my brain went to there. If you're going to get the Star Trek actors on, you get them to play Star Trek games, don't you? Yeah. That's just obvious. Right, so that's uh, what's happening in, in the tabletop world, all that we've noticed. So uh, let's talk about what we've been playing and what we've purchased this month. Mine's easy. In the last two weeks, I've played virtually nothing, because I haven't had time, and I've bought nothing. So it's over to you, Ray. Well, I bought the digital version of Boss Monster, which came out on Steam uh, last week, so the end of April, um, because I have yet to get my hands on like a physical copy of Boss Monster, but it's one of those games that I think we both have fancied playing. So I got the Steam one to see how well it plays, and uh, I have been playing it a little bit. I think it's quite difficult to to sort of transfer anything more than a two-person game because uh, if you're just playing on your own against AI it only ever shows you two people's dungeons at a time so it shows you yours and one of your opponents so then it will like flash up the third opponent for example and show you what they've done if they've taken a move and then if somebody attacks them, then it will show you their dungeon. But otherwise, you have to sort of, like, try and remember what's going on off screen. Right. I did try clicking on multiplayer to see how it works, like, whether you have to do it with, like, people in your friends list or whether you can just, like, queue into other people. Unfortunately, it kept telling me that I was offline, even though I was online. Um, so I think... Maybe no. Maybe. Because you're an offline gamer. Maybe. Maybe. But I was thinking maybe if you could play, like, with people in your friends list, you could play it, like, in a local yeah, yeah. game. There are a fair few bugs in the uh, the digital game. I think they funded it either through a Kickstarter on its own or, like, as a stretch goal from one of the other Kickstarters because it was talking about how the Kickstarter funding had allowed them to bring out Boss Monster for... Like a digital version, so I don't know whether they sort of didn't get as much money as they needed to sort of properly bug test everything. Yeah. But there are quite a few little bugs in it, which don't necessarily break the game, but they can be a bit of a irritation. Um, but it was half price, and it was like no three quid or something like that on Steam. So I thought I oh, might as well give it a go. I also bought Tabletop Simulator because it was on sale at, like, £2.50, something like that. Um, I haven't really played on it. I've just sort of messed about with it. Um, I enjoy the fact that you can table flip. Yes. Um, (laughs) I tried doing a jigsaw, and then I realised that 
even though I was putting things in spaces, I thought it's it's only letting me put things in the space where it's supposed to go. Yeah. And then I realised halfway through that it was just letting me put pieces in oh, spaces okay. all over the shop. And I was like, oh, I can't be bothered. So I table flipped and, and that was it. But now you did say that you haven't played anything. I said I played virtually. Well, okay, yeah. You played a lot of things it's all on, in one day. All in one day on tabletop day. So I've made a list. Let's go through this list of things. Some of them are things I've already talked about before, so I won't um, dwell on them. Seven Wonders Duel, I played that, which was interesting. I didn't get my head around the, the tactics of, of that um, until very late in the game, so obviously by that point I was completely completely screwed. Yeah. But it's it's like just a two-player version of Seven Wonders, so you've got uh, your layout cards on the, on the table... And they have like there's different types of resource. You've got stone and wood, or whatever. And the aim of the game is just to have the most points at the end. Or there's like a track, uh, and there's like a character that's dots in the middle of the track. And when you attack the other player, the character moves towards them. So if the character m- reaches either end of the track, you've won straight away. Okay. Um, or if the game carries on going, then you take cards and use them to like build. Uh, you've there's like a couple of building cards that you have chosen at random at the end of the game. I oh, know you draft them at the beginning. You draft yeah. them at the beginning of the game, and then you choose. So you choose them, and then they give you points or extra resources and things, and then you use them to get more points as the game goes on. So it was good, but I, as I say, I completely messed it up, and I actually lost. I think I think I lost from the the little dude. warrior dude yeah. getting all the way to the end of my thing um yes because i managed to push him back a couple of times but then he got like six in one go or something oh, okay. killed me so good game but yeah a bit complicated the first time you play it okay uh, i played dale of merchants which is you know one of my favorite games from last year uh sandwich masters played that uh halfling feast so those those are the three ta- uh, kickstarters that i got that i shared with people yeah you played Blood Rage, which was good. It was a nice, big, proper board game mm-hmm. for us. There's like a, it's like a Norse thing, so there's Ragnarok comes down and destroys parts of the board as the game goes on, so there's less places for you to move. But you've got different types of character, and, and the, the quality of the uh, little miniatures is really, really yeah. nice. And you, uh, you can invade uh, areas on the map, and then when you've got uh, little warriors inside an area, you can then pillage a village. Uh-huh. And you can also uh, upgrade your clan, uh, so you do more damage or you get more points for winning uh, battles and things like that. So it's a proper tactical game. I came last as on that as well, <laughs> but that was because one of the, the guys playing is the guy around the game. He really like picked knew what cards to pick, so he picked cards that were like every time a character dies you get two points and then at the end of every round every character that you take out uh, you also get because everyone gets resurrected at the end of the round yeah so uh you get points for that as well so every time someone died and then got resurrected he got tons of points so he actually went all the way around the, because the board's got the score marker on the outside mm-hmm. it goes from not to 100 he went all the way around the outside and nearly lapped me oh because i got like 60 odd points and he got like 150 something so he oh. was way 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 ahead of everyone else so that was good. Recommended. I played Flux with, of course, the tabletop expansion. Yeah. So we were all playing with Will Wheaton <laughs> and Dan Wheaton and everyone else in there. So that was good. Hobbit Love Letter. Yeah. Which is just Love Letter, but Hobbit version. But there's a couple of the cards have got different things like the uh, the three cards. You know the one where you compare hands and the person who's got the highest, the lowest one is out of the game. There's one that's highest and the one that's lowest. So there's that. There's also the one ring, which is zero points, and it's worth nothing for the entire game, but if you've got it right at the end, it's worth seven. Mm. So it's like, do you keep hold of it, but then if someone compares hands with you, you'll be knocked out. Yeah. And we were playing that with... uh, I was playing that with Jack, who's one of our listeners. Hi, Jack. And there was a a young lad we were playing it with as well, and he was obsessed with Gandalf. Every single time, he had to guess... You know, played the one card and said, can I guess who you are? He would say Gandalf. Yeah. And we never had Gandalf. <laughs> and then when we did have Gandalf, we'd just play him straight away because we didn't want to risk him then guessing. guessing it. Yeah. Yeah. And then even when we played Flux, he compared Will Wheaton to Gandalf. So he, he thought Will Wheaton with his beard was Gandalf. 
Oh, and Just Desserts, we played that as well. And there's a, like a hermit character. Yeah. He was Gandalf as well. Okay. And the other game I played was 60, which I'll talk about a bit later. And it's a game that's currently on Kickstarter. And that's the, the one that Andy, uh, I had an interview with Andy with. So we'll talk about that a bit later yeah. on. So it was a good fun day. And I played lots of games and met some new people. Mm-hmm. Uh, made a few new friends. Um, so yeah, we'll, I guess I'll see them at uh, gaming events in Asgard in the future. Yep. So what about you? What have you been playing? Um, well, apart from Boss Monster, I've been playing mostly computer games to try and attack the backlog. So I finally started Shadow of Mordor, uh, which has kind of a steep learning curve because you do like a tiny, tiny, tiny tutorial. And then it's basically just like, and now you're in the world and there's Uruks everywhere and you have to go and do this mission that's all the way over there, but on your way you're going to encounter, like, five captains and one of them is going to, like, annihilate you. And then if someone who's not a captain kills you, then they become a captain. And I was just sitting there going, why am I dead again? What? I don't even know what type of game it is. Is it, like, a, a, a open-world sort of thing? It's or? kind of... It's kind of open-world. It's a bit like... It's made by Warner Brothers, so it has a very similar combat system to the Arkham Knight Asylum, oh, right, okay, etc. Kind of right. Except with swords. So instead of punching people like Batman, you're attacking people with swords and stuff. Yeah, chopping their heads off. Yeah. And you have to do, like, uh, release this tower so you can see the area of the map and that sort of stuff. I played it for, I don't know... Two or three hours didn't really get very far in the story because <laughs> apparently, if you just play the pure story, you can just do it in about 12 hours. But if you want to go around and do all the side quests and stuff, then you're looking at maybe 23, 24 hours. Okay, so I started that one off. I will go back to it hopefully when I'm less easily frustratable because um, I kept getting annoyed. So I also played. I started off The Wolf Among Us, which I mentioned last time. Uh, I'm still on chapter one. Oh, okay. I played about three hours, and I was like, this is is still chapter one? Wow, this is taking some time. So I don't know how far I am through chapter one, but I am in it. And it's it's very easy just to sit there and go, oh, I'll do one more scene. Yeah. Oh, I'll do one more scene. Oh, I'll do one more scene. I was sitting there going, no, it's 10 o'clock at night. I need to have a shower. I'll do one more scene. Um, so it's quite enjoyable in that way. I haven't played, obviously, that much, so I don't know how the like decision-making is going to affect things later on. Yeah, it won't really start to hit, I think, until about episode three. Yeah, because there's things like, Toad will remember this for later. Yeah. I'm like, okay. I don't know why they've given Toad a Cockney accent. No, I don't know. So that's going... Okay, trying to juggle lots of different games all at once at the same time is, of course, uh, difficult, though. Um, So just to make things even more complicated, I started playing Sunless Sea, uh, which has a free sister browser game called Fallen London. And in Sunless Sea, I've got it on Steam for PC. Basically, in the Victorian age the sea came up and swallowed London and now you pretty much have to sail everywhere and it's okay. all dark and you're on, you're sort of underneath the world because the, the roof gods will get angry with you and stuff will fall and so on and so forth. And it's a very atmospheric game that's, a bit stressful when you first start out because you sort of set sail and then I sort of didn't really understand how the fuel gauge works so I sold all my supplies and bought shitloads of fuel and then all my crew started starving and dying and then I was <laughs> like, oh shit. Because I didn't have enough money to buy supplies and then it's like, oh, one of your crew has died. Would you like to bury them at sea or would you like to help the rest of the crew with their hunger situation wink wink oh yes and i'm like that was not very subtle and they kept doing it literally as i was sailing into london to buy them food it's just like 
oh, two more people have died. If you could wait, like, 50 yards, there's food there. Stop dying. But it's good fun. It's very sort of peaceful and atmospheric, as I say. And the art's very nice. Um, if you want to just play the free Fallen London version, it, it's just, I think it's fallenlondon.com. Um, it's based in the same world. But it's more of a text base. Do you want to do this mission? Yes. Your shadowiness increased by one right. sort of thing. And then the other thing I've been playing is Monument Valley, which I've been playing on the iPad. Um, I finished the main set of ten yeah. puzzles, sort of giving Ida's Dream a go, which is like a free extra one. And then if you want to spend pound fifty, you can buy an extra few maps sort of things. I find that quite fun because it's very sort of Escher-esque. Yeah, it's very relaxing as well. Yeah. I like the music. It just can't... It just sort of goes know. ding, yeah. ding. The little crows are a bit annoying because <laughs> you're sitting there going... Da, 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 that was more ding, of a duck than ding. a crow, but yeah. And it just sort of screeches at you and it's like, shut up. I think that is all I've been playing... That qualifies for offline gamerness. Okay, okay. Let's uh, go on to Kickstarter then. Let's talk about what we've had arrive because that's the shortest one. I've not had anything arrive in the last two weeks. How about you? Um, I had Captain Carcass Dead Man's Draw special tin box edition arrive just after uh, about half a week after we recorded the last show. Yeah, we haven't had a chance to play it yet, but uh, it does look very nice. It does look very nice, and the cardstock is amazing. Yeah, I got some very geeky WhatsApp messages from you. Yeah. Saying, oh my god, Matt, the cards are so nice. They are. They're really nice and thick, and like they they're very smooth, and they've just they feel nice and substantial, but they also feel like they're they're going to shuffle really well, and I thought that was an important aspect of any game obviously is the quality of it yes. and it feels very nice and very good quality and the cards feel lovely okay yeah so what have you backed you've backed one thing i've backed a few so uh yeah i've start. i've backed thin ice which is also uh my pick from tog picks three thin ice is from some of the people who were behind lords of war kind of hard to describe without spoiling everything you have a you have a, your your board, which is basically an a glacier or an ice sheet or whatever, and it's made up of tiles. So, on one side of the tiles is like a solid piece of ice that you can walk on, and then once you've walked on it and you step off of it, you have to flip it over to its cracked side, so it's less stable, and then the ice can drift off. The ice can. If some, I think one of them, if you flip it over, there's a killer whale that is going to eat you. Yeah. And then you also have a, a polar bear who uh, is getting annoyed at the fact that you're wandering around his habitat, destroying it, who will come after you. And if you get cornered by the polar bear, he can uh, kill you and eat you, presumably. Mm -hmm. So two to six players, I think... But I think they they haven't quite released the two-player rules yet. But it looked like sort of a very simple game that's a bit, not necessarily a hot topic, but save the polar bears, global warming, ice caps melting. It's kind of like highlighting that, but not in a very obvious in-your-face, please donate to all these charities kind of way. And I thought that was sort of a good way of like, in the campaign, it says nothing about raising awareness of this sort of thing. But I thought that was sort of... <clears throat> it's It cleverly sort of brings the topic to your the foreground of your mind. Mm -hmm. And it looks like it's a... And I want a little wooden polar bear, so... Who doesn't? Yeah, and it was it's coming from England, so... Support the local dudes and stuff. Mm -hmm. And it's 20 quid, so... Whatever. I've backed uh, four games so far. Probably won't be more. Because we're starting to pick up the point now where the, the number of games is starting to go up again. Yeah. For the summer, so. Uh, first game I backed is a... I can't remember if I mentioned this last time. It's a little pirate game called Scuttle. Nice and simple. Uh, it looks like it's just um, a fun little pirate game. 
yeah. for the whole family to play. And it's basically a case of you've got a card in your hand, you pick another one up, and then you play one of those two cards. Yeah. And some of them can be forcing people to discard cards or whatever. So it's sort of like, I mean, the basic mechanic of it is a bit love letter-ish, I guess. But yeah, you draw a card and... Oh, you either draw a card or play a card. So yes, you can build up cards in your hand and then yeah. play them. So I like the art. It's cutesy. It's cute, cutesy pirates. None of this chopping people's heads off. And uh, that's by, and also the company that makes it is called Jelly Bean Games. And I like jelly beans. So it's it's a win-win for everything. Logical. Exactly. Uh, next up is a social deduction game called Shenanigans, the musical. Speaking of local games, that's by uh, an organisation in, in West Bromwich called the People's Orchestra. Yep. And that's basically a, a social deduction game where everyone is a member of an orchestra, and but one person is called the artiste and they can't play an instrument very well. So um, the, the aim of the game is for the person who's the leader of the orchestra to try and figure out who the, the artiste is. Yeah. Uh, artiste is. Artiste is. Yep. And then uh, there's mechanics in there where, like, uh, you do your action like it says on your card, but then you can swap cards with other people so that people might not necessarily know what your role is. Mm. Uh, and then if the leader of the orchestra finds out who the artiste is, they win. If the artiste remains hidden, remains hidden they win. But then also some of the other players have got win conditions as well. Yeah. Like the violin player can will have something that says, if the leader listens to your advice and chooses the player you say, then you win, for example. Yeah. Stuff like that. So that looks like it's going to be quite a good uh, good social party game. Yeah. Uh, another social game is Great Scott, the game of mad invention. That's just yeah, like I a... That. Yeah, it's just like a game where you, you draw different uh, types of card, like uh, animals and... The nouns and things like that, and yeah. verbs. You put them, you put them down, and then you have something that says like the amazing crocodile skinning machine or something. Yeah, something stupid. And uh, you have to just like come up to everyone why that machine's great, and then they just vote vote for the best yeah. One. So it's kind of like super fight. Yeah, but with inventions. Yes. Yeah. Basically. And last up, uh, I backed Dale of Merchants 2. No surprise. No. Nope. Um, that got put on Kickstarter a couple of days ago, as of time recording this. It's already fully funded. Yep. The other two have about a week left on them, Shenanigans and Great Scott. Scuttle's already successfully funded. Mm-hmm. So by the time you listen to this, you'll still have a few days to back any of those if they, they pick your interest. But Dale of Merchants 2, just the same thing, but with more animal decks. Yeah. And you can combine it with the first game if you want to. Or you can play it standalone. Cool. You can mix and match the decks because each one has got its own set of skills, but they're all self-contained, so you can yeah. just mix them up. So, really looking forward to that. It's going to be towards the end of the year before that arrives, but uh, might be a contender for my game of the year next year. Next year, yeah, yeah. So that's it. Awesome. I also put a note of a few ones that I'm watching on Kickstarter because I thought, well, while we're talking about them, if there's a few projects that are out there that have we haven't backed yet, but they do still have some time left, um, we might want to advise a few people of what they are so i've i've gone through a few um the first one should come as no surprise to anyone who knows me and that is ghostbusters the board game two two which is the sequel funnily enough to ghostbusters the board game and i like the video because the video's got ernie hudson so he reprising his role as winston jolly good yeah i doubt that could have afforded any of the others (laughs) Probably not. Well, I'll say no. any of the others. I mean, Dan Aykroyd or Bill Murray. Yeah. Because, obviously, Harold Ramis is no longer with us. Um, but yeah. sad times. Yeah, but the, the miniatures and everything on that look just wonderful. I mean, the first game looks really good. The only reason I haven't bought it is because of the, the cost. And the cost yeah. of this Kickstarter is $80, and that's why I haven't backed it yet. Mm. But it does look like it's going to be really good. Yeah. It's based on the plot of the, the second game. So, uh, the second, second film. film. Yeah. Yeah, I think... Santorini has already finished and I was very tempted by it because it, it had very cutesy art and it. it looked like a really good sort of premise but then I was put off by um, the price I yeah. think and I, by the time I made my decision it was actually two days after it funded and I was like oh go on then clicked on it I was like um, it was not meant to be now for some reason I can't quite fathom there's currently two goat games on Kickstarter which okay. are weird. One is Clash of the Battle Goats, yep. and the other is just Battle Goats. 
Right. So it's strange, and they don't appear to be related to each other. Um, I haven't looked into them in any depth. I just thought they, they, it's just weird that there's two goat games on there. Yeah. So Clash of the Battle Goats says it's a tactical card game of unstoppable monster goats. Okay. And just Battle Goats is a goat-filled modern combination of classic card games like Memory and War. So there you go. If the goats are your thing, maybe they're trying to ride on the whole goat simulator bandwagon. Maybe. It kind of makes me annoyed that uh, Sheep Happens missed out Yeah, and these twice. two are both funded, I think, now. Or near, near enough. Battle Goats is 225%, and Clash of the Battle Goats is 335%. So Goats obviously more popular than the Sheep. There were Goats in Sheep Happens. I should have called it Goat Happens, then. They had they had really cool art. Okay. Uh, Space Race is next, which is a nice little card game. Uh, I like the art style on this because it's very fifties uh, style. But it's basically you have to build up a space program. Yeah. Before the other players and yeah, I guess launch a successful rocket uh, or just have the most points at the end. So you can have like you can you can research better things. Yeah. Uh, just try and create a, uh, a good space power grab and, and launch a rocket so that looks uh, quite good it says it's a complex strategic experience in a pocket sized card game and the only other thing I wanted to mention was uh, that I got an email today which was Quiver Gaming Mats the uh, company I, I may have mentioned them before I, I looked into them they're like um, felt or sort of sort of felt gaming mats yeah. just for like card games and things and they successfully funded on Kickstarter a couple of years ago, and I did look into buying one. But when I emailed them, they were like, oh, yeah, it costs this much, but then the delivery was like $40. So I'm like, yeah, forget that. Because they were having to be shipped from the US. But they 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 sent me an email today saying they're going to be putting a new Kickstarter on because they've got a new manufacturer that they're working with. Mm-hmm. So if they're coming direct from China, then that might be a better um, yeah. thing rather than having to get them. Well, if they're making them in China, I don't know. But, uh, yeah, so I'll be keeping my eyes on that because uh, I could do with something nice to – a nice surface for, for gaming on. Yeah. Because I see, like, play mats, but they're all, like, vinyl, and I don't want vinyl. Mm. I want something that's nice and – Tactile. M- t- yeah, materially. Is That's not yeah. even a word, but you know what I mean. Yeah. So that's um, at our Kickstarter update. So I guess we better move on to our topic of the month, which isn't really a topic. It's an interview. Yeah. So we'll, we'll a first for a first the offline for, gamer. Yes, our first interview. Congratulations to Andy. Yeah, I'm sure he feels special, special and honoured. So I, I chatted with Andy on Tabletop Day at, at Asgard, and he was uh, showing off his uh, new game that he's currently got on Kickstarter, which I've backed, which is called Sixty. Now the aim of the game is quite simple: you have to get sixty points, and it's done by rolling dice and then whatever the number of the dice is that you add it to your score. However. It's obviously more complicated than that because there are two types of cards. There are cards which change the dice that you roll or change the number uh, of the dice that you roll. So you could have, uh, you start off with everyone rolled just a D6, but there's a 4, a 6, I think a 10 and a 12. Uh Might be an 8 as well. Um, Yes, there is an 8. And you just roll that and then whatever the score is, you add it to your total. But then there's also ones which can make uh, it be more worth three more points or three less points or two more points or two less points or halved or doubled yeah. or minus points. And you can also play these cards on other players or yourself. Mm-hmm. So you're on your set, you've got, you, everyone's got one card and then you pick one up from the, the deck and it could be a D12 and a minus two, for example. Yeah. So you say, okay, I'll play the D- D12 on myself, roll the dice, you get 12 points. Then the next player could have like a D4 and then play that on you to replace the D12. So the next time it's your go, you only get D4. So the whole point of the game is to stitch the other players up while playing the good cards on yeah. yourself so you get to 60 points first. I play tested it and I had a really, really fun time with it. Everyone was like, I mean, even though I didn't know the people I was playing with, yeah. we all sort of really got into the spirit of things and we all just started attacking each other. And yeah. Some people being a bit more vindictive on other people because they played a card on them or whatever. Yeah. So, um, and the whole design of the game, I mean, Andy talks about in the interview, he goes into his background and why he's come up with things like that. So, yeah. Uh, if we have a listen to that interview now and we'll be back in about 15 minutes. Yep. So I'm here in one of the back rooms at Asgard Games with Andy, the designer of uh, the game that's on Kickstarter at the moment, which is 60. Andy, would you like to introduce yourself to our listeners? Thank you very much. I'm Andy Clayton. 
this is my second Kickstarter. I've got a background working for the local authority and, and doing kind of business support and working with people to help grow their businesses. And so the gaming side, the Kickstarter thing, completely a new arena for me. Uh, we launched our first game last year. That was successful, shipped everything out. And I was literally doodling about uh, on a spare bit of paper and I accidentally invented most of the idea behind <laughs> 60. Uh, and now that's in Kickstarter as well. And we've we've just reached the first level of funding, so we're good to go. And we've got about two weeks left. Accidental ideas are always the best ones, generally, aren't they? Well, yeah. <laughs> uh, our first game was brilliant. It was it was a, a back-of-an-envelope job while my brother was getting around in. Um, and it took us about six years to go from that first concept through to a game. This one's been a lot quicker, yeah. but it's a lot simpler idea as well. It's, you know, it's cut and thrust. Uh, we grew up in a family where we played board games. Mm-hmm. Um and usually we lost because my mum's really good at almost anything she puts her mind to. So from Monopoly, Cluedo, straight through to basic card games, she's she's fairly lethal all over. And and so we learned early on that it's about the community around the table. It's yeah. not about winning and losing. It's about how you play and how you interact. And, and that's what this is. It's just a fun game that people can do while they're interacting. You know, everybody has an opinion, everybody gets involved, everybody's got a, a shot at a greatness because it's it's nice, you know, it's totally random. Yeah. You you touched on it there, your your history of, of gaming, obviously you say you grew up with it. I'm quite a new arrival to the world of tabletop gaming. Most of the games I tend to play are small light games like Flux and, and things like mm-hmm. that. Um, so what growing up were the games that you really enjoy playing and has that influenced your design of the current games that you're working on? Oh, totally influenced it, absolutely. Uh, we played a lot of card games, really basic stuff. So um, Crazy Eights or, or different types of patients, uh, Chinese patients, which is like two player, yeah. or Canasta, which is two whole decks of cards thrown together and, and you've got to form kind of complex runs of numbers. And then you've got kind of the staples, you've got Uno and, and stuff like that. We we picked those up and got them going. And then you've got board games, and you've got all sorts of board games, from the, the childish, kiddie, simple ones that they sell aimed at children, yeah. through to, you know, I play chess, I play Monopoly, I play Scrabble. I, I like those things. But it's always about the... It's always about the competition between the people around the table. It's never about, am I the best Scrabble person in the world? No, I'm not. I don't have a vocabulary the size of Brussels. Yeah. But... I know how to take advantage. I know how to kind of put my words down the best that I can. I also know how not to leave avenues open for my mum to come in and put, you know, flex across a triple word score. Yeah. So it's the skills that we learned doing that that informs the way I do what I do now and the, the games that I create. It's got to be easy to pick up. It's got to be really simple to, to go with. And there's got to be a reward I, I love games that give you something even when you don't score very much. So every time you roll the dice, you score minimum one point. That point's worth something. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's not a game where you've got to sit still for four turns amassing enough cards to finally afford the big payoff. That's cool because you get that build-up and then the payoff and the response. But actually, I like something where every single turn you've got the opportunity to add to your total. So that's, I guess that's... Obviously, 60s are very much like that then. But how you go around designing the game after you get the initial inspiration for it and then play testing it how do you go around doing doing that okay first things first my games are vanity projects it's just me creating something that i want people to love uh, and and to love me in by by extension yeah. you know please back my game and make me feel important with 60 especially but also with no dice which which funded last year the idea came as a series of insights into the way we could score or adapt so no dice was a very physical idea it started out as a as a development almost of dominoes and and wound up with an element of that still in there very clearly with 60 having done a game with no dice and called it no dice i was mucking around with some dice and and a sheet of paper and i was just working out score scoring combinations and ways that you could tilt things in different people's favor so with 60, you, the, the cards will give you the opportunity to roll twice in a turn mm-hmm. or to minus points off or to you know even to score the points negatively against your original total. So it's not only the opportunity to further yourself, but it's the opportunity to stick it to the, one of your opponents. And then from that came the idea of a duel and the idea, the concept of, of, a, of the card game being a metaphor for a bigger fight mm. and actually an easier way to solve fights without having to resort to all the, the bloodshed and the, the sharp objects. Mm-hmm. So then we started getting the backstory, and the backstory is that, that 60 is a, 
an ancient game designed by a man out in the field with the army who needed to keep discipline in the ranks without people killing each other when they should be very busy killing the people they were being pointed at and you know and then it develops into this game because it's so easy to play and it's popular and, and you know it's very resource light bag of dice set of cards somebody to keep score that's all you need and and you know the the the, the narrative is that you can now buy this game for yourself yeah. great off we go at which point we started to look at the artwork and we started to play test the mechanic so the the deck that we've been playing with today at Asgard um it's not finished, it's not fixed in terms of what the card values are, but it's more or less there. And every time we play, I'm making kind of small adjustments or I'm making notes. I don't like that card. That card doesn't act as I wanted it to. It has an unintended consequence here or there. We've played it half to death, but it's it's still fun. So I'm in my own head, that's a winner. I'd buy it. And then on the artwork side, well, I just can't draw. So I went and hired a couple of artists one a graphic designer and the other a tattoo artist and I gave them the same brief and they came up with strikingly different concepts which are both completely awesome yeah. so if we get to the next level of, of stretch goal every single backer will be offered the choice do you want the slightly more punk steampunk or the slightly more steam steampunk yeah. uh, the one's kind of great age of railways and the other one is very much kind of this is a, a, an underground piece of artwork. This is something that's been hand-drawn onto a, a bit of parchment. And, and they both look fantastic. If we go back to No Dice then, when you ran that on Kickstarter, that obviously successfully funded, were there any lessons you learned from that that you've brought forward to the current project? And did you, did you have any hiccups in the manufacturing process, for example? Oh, totally. About a week after we funded No Dice and I got the money through from Kickstarter, we realised the boxes weren't going to happen. The, the box design that I wanted wasn't available in the UK. The uh, alternative was very expensive and it was an eight-week lead time, which meant I'd be pushing back my reward delivery to everybody. Yeah. And I'd got backers from the States. I'd got three from Europe. I'd got a bunch of people up and down the UK. Uh, we got 49 decks to ship. And I just looked at it and went, this isn't going to work. So then it's right back to the drawing board. It's go online. It's find out what you've got. Within three weeks, I got a packet of, of basic boxes shipping from Lahore in Pakistan. Yeah. And the, the decks were just about done in uh, China. And they were being shipped over. I got them done through an American card gaming firm who just passes all their orders through to a big printer in China. And so these things arrived. Tip one, remember that you owe VAT yes. on stuff that you import into the UK. <laughs> yes. Right? And leave some cash aside. Tip, tip two, get your packaging right as much as you gain because the boxes, they're all right, but they, they, they don't look fantastic. They, they're okay. They hold the cards. It's nice, but it isn't a finished... It doesn't have the same kind of finish as, yeah. the, as the game engine or even as some of the artwork on the game. I mean, the, the game... No Dice is deliberately a minimalist look anyway, but I was really happy with the way it came out at the end. So I'd learn those lessons. Um, I would also say building a little bit of margin because costs just, they, they, they spiral. Mm. Um, we just got to the point of shipping and I realised that actually I couldn't ship the game uh, the way I wanted to to Europe. I had to ship it as a different size parcel and all of a sudden there was a different cost. Oh, fair enough, okay. You just take the hit. And also, I've got 20, nearly 30 copies sitting in a box in the corner of my bedroom because everything had to be ordered to the maximum efficiency yeah. for unit cost. So what I'm left with is plenty of copies of no dice that I can still sell, but actually no cash in hand. So I've mm. got the value there if I want to realise it by selling it online, but it's not what I'd hoped. I'd hoped to be left with a kind of cash-neutral situation and no product left yeah. and a little bit of profit to maybe put into the next game. Um, so that didn't happen. Okay, so what have I learned? Get the packaging sorted. 60 comes in a tin. Yeah. It comes in a two-ounce tobacco tin. It's a standard unit. It's available practically everywhere online. They're relatively cheap to get in bulk. And if you get from a reputable supply, you know it's good product that'll last. The other thing, it's made of metal and it's fairly rigid. It is designed to withstand knocks. You can ship it as it is. Wrap it in a bit of cling film to make sure that it's watertight. Stick a posting label on it. Stick it in the post box. It's too thick to go as a large letter, but it'll go as a small parcel. Mm -hmm. Shipping in the UK is £2.80 standard. Sorted. Yeah. Quantities. Everything we've done for this Kickstarter has been priced up. I've got the quantity order for every single item, from the little round sticker on the lid through to the back rectangular sticker on the bottom of the, the box tin through to everything. Yeah. Even the multiples of dice. 
and they're all costed per unit and I know where my peak units are. So I know that if I get orders for 29 games, I need to order 30 because actually that will be cheaper than ordering the materials for 29. Yeah. And everything's set up like that and I know exactly where my costs are. So I've suddenly become really much more aware of the unit price. And yeah, the artwork. No Dice is cool. It's great fun to play, but it doesn't look as enticing as this new steampunk kind of themed revenge game. Yeah. And and yeah, I, I can see how that would be better. Uh, we've also reduced our target on Kickstarter. To ship No Dice effectively, we needed basically to raise a thousand pounds. And we got there by the skin of our teeth, last day, literally. Uh, we're 16, we've been funded a week. And yeah, we've got two weeks to go. And yeah. hopefully we'll reach some of the stretch goals. Did you look at other crowdfunding sites other than Kickstarter? Or was Kickstarter always just the obvious choice as far as that goes? I looked at other sites, but Kickstarter is where I'd backed before. Yeah. So I kind of knew the score. I'm okay with the percentage they take out of the money that you get. And I think it's very fair that if you don't hit your set target, you don't get anything. Yeah. Because that tells you plain and simple, either you need to fund this yourself or it's not a goer. Mm-hmm. How much faith do you actually have in your product? For me, it's great. I go, look, I've made this brilliant thing and you can buy it for, insert price here. Yeah. And 60 is retailing later on in the in the future. 60 might retail for less because we can build it for less at the moment. There's a bespoke build with all the, the cards and everything ordered from China. It's coming at just under 15 quid a deck. So you can have it for 15 pound a deck. That's fine. I, I don't need to make huge amounts of money out of this. I just like the nice warm feeling that people like the game. I looked at the other sites. There are some really good ones out there, but nothing's kind of got the same reach and the same flavour as Kickstarter. And because we'd been successful with No Dice, I knew that I could link my success with the previous campaign into this one, and that people would see that. So what's next for Andy? Oh, right, next. I don't know. <laughs> um, back in the day, I did a lot of uh, music study. And we, we read up on this chap, Stravinsky. He's, he's a famous composer, but he's also a bit of a philosopher. And he said, it's really easy to sit at a blank sheet of paper and just go, I need inspiration. And, and that's not how creativity works. Well, it might be for some people. Yeah. certainly isn't for me. So with this latest one, I sat down and I was working with dice and I was playing with dice. and I was just looking at options. With uh, no dice, it was back of an envelope, thinking through an idea that I'd got in the back of my head about how dominoes worked. So I'll find inspiration somewhere and I'll just keep picking at it until I kind of get a a workable thing that I think I can teach easily to my boys. My youngest is eight and he can beat me (laughs) at both of these games already because he gets it and he doesn't take a huge amount of complex strategy to give yourself a bit of an edge. Um, And there's such a large random element that he can feel secure in his wins and he doesn't feel totally beaten if he loses. So that to me is a win. It needs to be like that. If I come up with something more complex and it's a, it's a difficult system where you, you roll three dice and then you take the scores and you multiply them together and you, I, I can't see myself playing that regularly, yeah. so I wouldn't probably design it. It's 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 got to be that way. I'm I'm kind of interested in in more kind of chance related stuff, but the other side is when you make a game, you've got to have a game element. There's got yeah. to be a, a way by which you can influence the outcome to your own advantage and we I think we've hit that well with 60 I think we've got a balance there which is good a lot of people find that they can score plenty of points and not quite win and so you know we've just had a game out there where second place was only two points off that's that's brilliant that's the kind of balance I want to see same with no dice everybody scores every turn it's quite common for it to be decided in the last few rounds if I can come up with another one like that you'll see it (laughs) if I can't I'm working on something. Okay. Are you gonna planning on doing anything at the uh, expo in a couple of months, or are you? I would love to sneak into the expo with a couple of extra games of yeah. uh, 60 snuck into the bottom of my rucksack <laughs> and see if there's anybody who wants it. But I'm not kidding myself about this. It's it's a good game. It's got a good mechanic and it's really fun to play. But actually, for most people to f- make it affordable and accessible, it might be better as a print and play and tell them to nip out, get a, a Chessex box set with all yeah. the different shapes of dice and uh, some D6s out of their local gaming store or their local comic book store or whatever and just print their own and play it. You know, I, I don't need to make huge amounts of money out of my ideas at this stage because I'm just kidding around. This is a hobby. This is a this is something I do because I like it. Yeah. Um, but it's tempting it is really <laughs> tempting to see what the big boys would make of it. It's you know. interesting, yeah. Yeah, I might be tempted. 
Okay, cool. Well, from my point of view, the, the game I just played was was, was great. You know, was, I love the being able to stitch other players up. It's fantastic, and it's yeah, you it's can tell a, I have brothers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, it's the kind of game that when I have fam- when we went family gatherings at like Christmas and Easter and Halloween and things like that, um, I've started bringing games in and just small like card games for the children of the family, and we all play together. Mm. So this is the type of thing I could definitely see us sort of playing like that. So uh, yeah, sixty on Kickstarter now, uh, back for fifteen pound. Uh, there'll be a link to it on our on our website. So if there's anything else you want to say to our listeners before we finish up, oh, oh yeah, the other tip about Kickstarter. Go and have a look at our campaign, right? And try and guess how little I spent on the Kickstarter video. I mean, it's literally it's mixed on an iPad. Uh, it's done in a local couple of local stores. We give credit for it. This sort of stuff doesn't have to be po-faced and serious, and it doesn't have to cost the earth. Yeah. I've spent the money on the stuff where I think it really needs spending, on the artwork, on the stuff that will endure, the things that people will touch every time they get the game out. The campaign itself... It's got to be fun, and it's got to not take itself too seriously, and it's got to say to people, these are the bunch of guys that you would actually feel okay playing with uh, down yeah. at your local gaming shop. If they pulled this out of their box and said, hey, guys, do you fancy a game of this? You'd be like, oh, yeah, we'll do that. It's And you're creating like Asgard and the, the bookstore that you did. The, mm-hmm. uh, that's building a community, and that's what we're all here for at the end of the day. The community's already there. If it wasn't for them, I wouldn't be in a position to be doing this. Yeah. You know, There's Vince here at Asgard, there's Scott at, at Southcart Books, Scott and Amy. They've both, well, they've all been brilliant. Um, it's not just them. There's the Bakehouse, um, also in Warsaw with Tom Williams. He's creating another thing for Tabletop uh, Day today where he's going to be serving up pizza and open till 9 o'clock at night. <laughs> There already is the community yeah. here. I'm just really lucky to be part of it. Cool. Well, as I said, 60 on Kickstarter now. And uh, thank you very much for your time, Andy. Cheers. So thanks to Andy for that interview. Um, he got a lot of points across there and told us all about the game and why he designed it the way it is. And, uh, yeah, like he says, you can tell he grew up with uh, a lot of brothers yeah. based on the, the you know vindictive nature of the game. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but great fun. And um, in my mind, very much worth the £15 that... I'm backing it for so yeah and some good tips in there if you are thinking about making your own yeah games or kickstarters anybody out there yeah so I can't wait to see what he, he comes up with next yeah so that's everything uh, this month so thanks to Andy and thanks to everyone for listening you know how to uh, get in touch with us you can follow us on Twitter we're at Togcast you can find us on Facebook at The Offline Gamer you can also visit our website, which is www.offlinegamer.co.uk. Or if you just want to listen, uh, you can go to soundcloud.com forward slash offline gamer. I've done a bit of work on the website, actually. So you can now just uh, go to the website and subscribe to the RSS feed or subscribe directly to iTunes or uh, yep. our news items. Yeah, like basically go to the website because you can see our Twitter there. Yep. You can get in touch with us there. You can listen to everything. Yeah. And subscribe to everything. Yeah. So go to the website because Matt's put lots and lots of work yeah. in. Yeah. And he wants all your lovely feedbacks. Yeah. I want my Google Analytics graphs to go up. Yeah. You can email us, offlinegamerpodcast at gmail.com, or you can go to the site, hint, hint, and click on contact us and just yeah. fill the form in. Or if you're an iTunesy person, you can subscribe to us over iTunes just by searching The Offline Gamer. So that's it for this month. We'll see you in four weeks for our presumably UK Games Expo special. Yep. So we'll see you then. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.